0: sin. Last week I talked on forgiveness. If you didn't hear it, you need to listen to it. If it's not on the website, it's my fault. I've been out for a few days this week. I'll get it up there as soon as possible. It might be up there, I don't know. But you need to listen to that message on forgiveness because, listen here, where it lands in the beginning of the text in chapter 17 is the disciples look at Jesus and they say, what you're asking us to do in forgiving people is going to take great what? Does anybody remember? Huh? Faith. They say, increase, they said to Jesus, please increase our faith. And that's where we pick up this week. Look uh, look right there. Luke 17, verse 11. Luke seventeen, eleven. And it came to pass, as he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men, that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourself unto the priest. And it came to pass that as they went, they were what? Did he do a miracle? Let me ask you again. Did he do a miracle? Yeah, he did. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, he turned back, and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks, and he was a what? <laughs> Jesus had some margins, I didn't even know it fit, and Jesus answering said, were there not what? Ten cleansed? But where are the nine? They didn't teach Jesus math through common core, I don't think. He knew how to do the, the math problem there. Now here's one, I cleansed ten. Where, anyway, where's the other nine? There are not found, I'm just poking fun, I don't know nothing about common core. Don't get offended. Grow your margins, okay? they are not found that return to give glory to God. Save this, what's that next word? Stranger. Stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy what? Faith hath made thee whole. One amazing thing that I enjoy teaching expositionally through the scripture is that we landed in the beginning of this where Jesus lays it on us about forgiveness, says, This is how you're supposed to forgive. And they say, God, increase our faith. We we, we need more of it. And then he, right then and there, shows us how to increase our faith in the very next passage. Better than me standing up here preaching topically, whatever I'm feeling I should give you, I think it's best we preach through a book of the Bible and let him teach us the way he designed it in his word to be taught. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and we'll jump in. Father God, we love you. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for Jesus. We ask that you would clear the path to our hearts this morning through your word. In his name we pray, amen. All right, buckle up. Jesus and his disciples are headed to Jerusalem. Verse 11, and it came to pass as they went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. So if you look where Jerusalem is and where he was, they would pass through Samaria, through Galilee on their way to Jerusalem. If you're looking on a map, they would head due south. And and they had been to Jerusalem through the book. Now we're we're, we're approaching the end here. We're approaching the Passion Week where Jesus makes it to Jerusalem, endures the cross, Raises from the dead, right? We're approaching that in just a few short chapters. In fact, Jesus' earthly ministry in this book of Luke ends in, in chapter 19. So we're two chapters away from Is this too loud for y'all? Is it too loud? It's okay? Awesome. Brandon, you're doing a fantastic job. Give Brandon a hand. Give him a hand. Come on. Yeah. One more question. Are you too hot? If you're too hot. One is too hot. It's okay. We, we don't judge. You're under the fan. All right. Is everybody comfortable on this side? How many are too cold? A few. All right. Let's get Bethlehem hoodies made next week, Charles. Where are you at? Let's pass them out. Okay. So they had been to Jerusalem three different times in this book. The first time was for the Feast of Tabernacles. This is important. You can understand contextually how Jesus operated as a good Jewish boy but yet continued to reach outside of those boundaries during his ministry. So three times he goes to the Feast of Tabernacles, he goes back to Jerusalem, for the Feast of Dedications, and then the third time he went was to Bethany, very close to Jerusalem, for Lazarus. Remember that brother relationship that he had. When he raised him from the dead. So those three times. The fourth time will be the fourth and final time that he's headed to Jerusalem. And that's the context of where we are right now. And he tells his disciples, we're on our way. And much like he did uh, before and we have seen previously, he makes pit stops through areas of town that you might not consider um, friendly territory for his culture. And I love that. I absolutely love it. Jesus was counterculture. He did things that were radical. He, he pushed those boundaries. He spoke to women, right? He, he engaged in conversation with them when it would have been like socially taboo, right? He, he was a loving savior. He was bearing the responsibility of the world, of saving the world, and we see that through his example, not just through his, his immediate actions of the cross. So, We think this is is the fourth time, right, as he's headed there. Fourth and final time before his Passion Week. On his way to Jerusalem, Jesus is going through these two places, Galilee and Samaria, and he is accosted by these ten lepers. So if if we're looking here, uh, and they stood afar off. He entered into a certain village, verse 12. There they met him with ten men. You, You might think, like, in the English, they met him. Hey, hey, Jesus. No, 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 no. They, like, heard of him coming They position themselves in a place that they could almost entrap him with their words and and as much as they could without breaking those, I mean they were breaking those boundaries, but in such a way that they were going to get him to stop because they knew if they could get him to stop, what was going to happen? He's going to heal him. He's done it time and time again. So these ten lepers accost him, get in a position where they get his attention, right? Let's talk about leprosy, known today as Hansen's disease, and I I won't belabor this. I've taught about leprosy in the past, in the beginning of the book, but Hansen's disease uh, now is not such a big deal in one sense that it can be treated. It's treatable. Uh, They found out that uh, as far as it being transmitted, it's not as uh, transmittable as they thought. It's not, as, not necessarily scary, but kind of. Then it was excommunication. You're pushed outside uh, of our community, and until you can prove that you have been cleansed from this, uh, you have no part with us. You go live with the lepers, so to speak. But that Hansen's disease was a disease that specifically attacked the nervous system uh, in such a way that it left and rendered parts of the body numb. Right. So extremities, fingers, noses in in such a way that they didn't feel them. So either running into things or day to day life in such a way where they could not feel, they would damage those extremities, not feeling the pain, they would become disfigured right? Uh, And and then even fall off, right? Lack of circulation, all those things that that would come with that. So easily from the outside, looking at that going, oh my goodness, I don't want to get that. I'm talking fast, got a lot of ground to cover. Stay with me. Uh, They pushed them from the camp, if you will. So that's leprosy. Uh, uh, They were thought of as unclean. They would have had to keep their distance from everyone. Seeing or hearing that Jesus was coming to town would be just the ray of hope just the ray of hope that they were looking for. Let me say that word again. Hope. Imagine if you were hopeless. Imagine if you were in that position. We we have to put ourselves in their shoes for a minute. If you knew he was, if there was any way possible. So let's think about it. If they were excommunicated, they couldn't watch their children grow up in a normal. Their lives that they valued had no value anymore. You know what I mean? Can you sense the urgency that they would have in a sense of finding hope again? Right? It would be just the ray of hope that they would want. Let me ask you this question, a couple questions. Are you hopeful for your problems to be fixed? Are you hopeful? how many of you have a problem right now and you want it to be fixed? You can raise your hand. You got one. It's there. And you don't have to even look as far as seeing the leprosy on your hand. It's internal. Everywhere you look, there it is. It's the problem. Let me ask you, are you hopeful for your problem to be fixed this morning? Are you hopeful that Jesus will bring hope in your pain? So contextualizing this passage here, putting ourselves in that position, they accosted him because they were hopeful of something to happen. Talking about forgiveness last week, talking about what it takes to sure up our relationships and make those tough relationships right, by giving forgiveness, by sitting down through that rebuke and leading to repentance. Sometimes I feel like we don't take that step because we're not hopeful, Of the outcome. So part of this is. Understanding that. What we're about to get into in the text. We see hope. In their actions. I want you to see hope this morning. Far too often the devil corners us. In the corner of pessimism. And keeps us on the ropes. And just keeps hammering away. Because you don't see that ability to get out of that corner, you don't see the ability to get out of that place where he's got you and he's working you over and you've just kind of let your gloves down, you're taking the blows and it becomes more and he's excited because the wicked day came and he got you, maybe on that sin, maybe on that relationship and you've been pushed out and he's just working you over. How many of you feel worked over this morning? But guess what? There's hope. Greater is he, just using this boxing analogy that is in you, than he that is in the world. Jesus wants nothing more than to bring victory in your fight today. He wants nothing more than to give you that holy ghost unction from on high to be able to dig deep to be able to bring your gloves up to be able to deflect a few blows and maybe push your way out of that corner so that you can land a right hook or a left hook or whatever hook it takes to get away from it and then go on the offensive but here's most christians today you're burning in the corner that's all the hope you got Well, I'll just let him take a couple more licks on me. Good heavens. How much 10 lepers had more hope than you have this morning? I asked some of you the question, are you hopeful that Jesus will bring hope in your pain? You see, the first step is accepting the blows, knowing that Jesus is on the other end, knowing that it's not the devil working in your life, but it's Jesus allowing him to work you over. And then when you come to that place of acceptance, when you come to that place where you forgive God for what is happening in your life, you're ready to move. But unfortunately, he's still got you on the ropes. The devil's just a pawn. He is not greater than the Holy Spirit of God. He has got you in this place, and until you learn, until you flip the switch internally, until you're ready to accost Jesus for what he can do in your life, he's going to leave you on the ropes. I want you to increase faith this morning. That's my desire. I want you to be hopeful in the pain. Listen, I believe that this is the greatest thing that happens at our church the preaching of of the cross of Christ. These are not my words this morning, these are the words of the text. God's using me as an instrument to deliver them to you, but some of you need to listen to what's happening from the Word of God and obey it and let it transform you, not just come in here and punch a clock. I got to keep moving. They use the word here, if you look at it, in verse 13, master. They use the word master, and that's only found in Luke's gospel. And the only other people that use this word particularly was the disciples. This Greek word, elevating, I mean, it stands out to me. Jesus, master, have mercy. When I read this, I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Y'all, ten of you banding together. And you're going to position yourselves, you're going to lift your voice, and you're going to call him, you're going to call him a name that only his disciples have called him. What are you saying? Hey, I'm ready to be a what? Disciple. It's, and it's only used here in Luke. They knew who he was. They knew who he was. Let's dig into the specifics, okay? Okay. Ten lepers, they all say, have mercy on what? Us. Jesus said unto who? Them. Go show who? Yourselves unto the priest. In order to assimilate back into quote-unquote normal life, you had to be declared clean, excuse me, declared clean, that's a tongue twister, by a priest. So Jesus says unto them, Go your way and go show yourself unto the priest. Eight days. Eight days proven clean that their leprosy, their symptoms, their problem is gone and they can resume normal life. So you see, nine of them, they were interested in what? Huh? Normal living. They wanted to get back to their regularly scheduled what? Program. They. Them. They were unable to receive, I'm sorry, they were able to receive help for their physical ailments. Nine of the they were only concerned with their lives and getting back to those lives. But, but one of them, but one, of them turned back. One of them glorified God. One of them gave thanks. One of them. Which boat are you still in? Are you in that boat with, with others and you're a part of the they and you're a part of the them? And I just I just want to get back to my regularly scheduled program. I just want to have friends again. I just want to get in that zone and things be comfortable. Right? But that's not the point of this text. The point of my preaching to increase your faith is not to preach you into a place of comfort. It's to preach you into a place where they can become one. Where they can step out and be someone who God uses, be someone who can rely on Him and not someone who can rely on the crowd and the crowd only. Here's some observations. It was not the one we would expect. It was not the one that we would expect. Forgive my excessive blinking. I have not gotten my glasses back. Please pray for me. Think, think about that. Don't, don't check out on me. Stay with me. Jesus was so purposeful in what he did in healing these ten lepers that accosted him, in looking at these ten people and none of them. Hey, y'all, go show yourself to the priest. He gave them enough rope to hang themselves. Hey, hey, y'all, you go ahead and get back to normal life. Thank you for coming. Thank you for allowing me to work a work that is physical in your life. And you know what? God did those works. Jesus healed constantly, constantly healing the sick. And unfortunately, most of our churches in America today and across the world, the emphasis on this passage would be the healing. The emphasis on this passage would be, God will heal you. God will, He will fix your unfixable things in your life. He'll save you from the cancer. He'll save you from the fill in the blank. The answer is yes, He will. But that's not the point in this text. The point is not the healing. The point is the one. The one. Not the nine. And it wasn't the one that you would think about. In verse 16, I think it says, he was a Samaritan. And he fell down on his face at his feet giving thanks and he was a what? Samaritan. The fact that the nine went back to the priest shows what nationality they were. Do you understand what I'm saying? The fact that Jesus says to them and they, hey, go ahead and show yourself to the priest. They were like, "Woohoo! Yeah, here we go! I'm going to show myself. It shows that they were Jews. They were purebreds, if you will, not the half-breed. They were like, deuces, bro! The one was a Samaritan. The one found himself in a position. Is that by chance? No. No, it's not. Some of us, in our state, in our position, we have found ourselves comfortable in the system that we have been placed, that we have been placed in, not by our doing, but by an overarching sovereign God and King. And some of, some of you, excuse me, have grown too comfortable in that position. It took a one. It took a one that wasn't used to that form of religious expression. And Jesus shows his margins here. Just These are just observations. This isn't even the message. It was the one that you wouldn't expect. Don't, don't put classifications on the blessings of God. Just an observation. If we are going to talk about healing, understand that someone got healing that the Pharisees didn't think needed it. No, you let him die in that state. You let him, that Samaritan, rot because he has what he has because of his sin. And Jesus says, no. I'll heal him just like I'll heal the nine. Just an observation. Don't put classifications on God's blessings. The second thing, just an observation, if circumstances were to change your life, who would still be around you? If circumstances were to change in your life, who would still be around you? Verse 17, we need to recognize unhealthy relationships in our lives. Is the leprosy what's, this is just an observation, I'm not to the message yet, stay with me. Is the leprosy what's holding your relationships together? I'm with my peeps, I'm with my nine other brothers and sisters. Why? Because we have leprosy. Some of you are surrounding yourselves with critical people because you're a critical person. And if God were to heal you from your criticism today, who would you be around? When, when, when they were healed, the nine stayed together. The nine went to the priest. The nine were worried about their lives. Hey, sometimes you need to check your friends. And I don't mean like those stupid like things that send out on Facebook. Comment now or I'm clearing you from my friends list. Mm. I know who my true friends are. Social media is terrible, first of all. Like, <laughs> that's not friendship just kidding, it's real, it's genuine, it's authentic, (laughs) the most authentic, just kidding. You don't know when I'm coming or going, do you? Got you right where I want you. The observation is this, who is around you if Jesus healed you? I'm just saying, birds of a feather, what? Yes, they do. And who are you flapping your wings with Monday through Friday? If you're not comfortable being around saved people, there's a problem. And if you're not comfortable being out with lost people, there's a problem. The point is, is when Jesus came and met him, the one person that he, man, I'm getting ahead of myself. The one person he wanted to go be around was Jesus. I think that we should, just an observation, take a look at who our friends are. And if life's circumstances were to change or swing, would they still be your friend? I'm just just saying Like, it's amazing how adults are, (laughs) I don't think it's much different, babe, being a youth pastor to being a pastor, is it? I mean, I'm not trying to offend you or anything, but adults are just seventh graders, grown up seventh graders. This is some junior high stuff here, the way we are with our friends. I don't see much different. We're just bigger, immature versions of ourselves, right? Did you hear what she said? Do you see how he looked at me? I'm just saying, like, there's bigger things in life. And if that bigger thing were to change, who would you be surrounded by? Why don't you go ahead and make the change now in hope, in faith? Totally getting ahead of myself. Just an observation. Here, here's the thing. Number three, the third observation. People don't make you whole. Your faith does. You, you see, in verse 19... And he said unto them, Arise, go thy way. <laughs> Bethlehem doesn't exist to have a bigger they, us, our. Yes, community is a part of what we do. But if you're here just for the us and them, you're here for the wrong reason. People don't make you whole. Faith does. The nine fellas that went partying with the priest, I don't know if they did. I just it sounded good. It was alliterated. They they weren't saved, and we'll see that in a minute. One walked away from this altercation different. One walked away. Here's the word whole, complete. So here's the thing: people don't make you complete. That man, when he turned and he saw Jesus, poof, he was not interested in what he was missing out from his friends. I still have friends, Pastor Matt. Okay, come here, let me hug on you. I'm sorry, but you don't need him. you got Jesus. In this context, those nine people, it's okay. God's going to make you, 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 individually whole. Y'all aren't with me on this one. I can sense it. People don't make you whole. What happens when life happens? What happens when you lose that friend? What happens when the pastor makes you mad? What happens when the infinite list of things that could happen? Will life break down? Will you go back to your sin? Will you go back to addiction? Will you go back to fill in the blank? If you are relying on people instead of your relationship with God, then the answer is yes, you will go back. Yes, you will be part of the nine that was only here for Jesus to heal them and not here for Jesus to complete them. I think we've got to get to the message. Faith played out practically, okay? Here's the thing. This is how it plays out practically. How many of you struggle? This, I'm getting real with you, okay? Y'all all right with that? All right, we're doing it anyway. <laughs> how many of you struggle with the practicality of faith? Come on, be real. Nobody struggles with it? All right, I'm on my own on this one, okay? Let me explain what I mean by that. Faith is a substance of things, we use this word, hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. How many of you struggle with doing and working from a place of what you cannot see? Hey! Yeah. That's what I mean. This is the practical application. This is taking this text Taking the words of how Jesus dealt specifically with this one man that he made whole through his faith and, and applying it practically, church, practically to your life to walk away different. How many want to walk away different than when you got here? Okay, good, good, good. All right, this is only going to take like a minute and a half. I mean it. I mean it. It's the practice. I did all that groundwork. Okay. I got jokes, don't I? Here's the first thing. God is doing something in my life. How does faith practically play out? Okay, when the nine guys left and the one stood there, here's how I see it playing out practically in his life. He cognitively realized, God is doing something in my life. The nine guys were like, I'm ready to get back to what? What I have going on. And this gets me all going. This one guy said, you're doing something in there. Whoa! Everybody else, the crowd, they, those people, those other guys who on the outside were the ones that everybody would be rooting for. They got faith. They got faith. Yes, they do. They're awesome people. Here's the one guy over here, the outcast, the one that's the person who is not socially acceptable. He realize that God was doing something in him. You know what faith is practically? It's when you realize that God is working in your life and that you're not doing it. That's what faith is. Nine guys were like, now we can get back to our regularly scheduled program. Yes. Hey priest, I'm clean. Hugging kids again, kissing wife. Yes, amazing. And I'm not Those are all really good things in their context. But understand, only one dude walked away whole. Only one guy walked away saved. Only one guy walked away with a relationship for eternity. And the other walked away cleansed for their life on this earth. We have churches full of people that are looking for, for a salve, looking for a, p- a pill or a medicine for now. Heal my pain, Pastor Matt. Heal, heal my brokenness. Heal my criticism. Pastor Matt, heal my depression. And give me a verse that will get me through the week. Our churches are full. God, if you just change my finances, I'll give it all back to you. Sure, you will. <laughs> Boy, if I had a dime every time I heard that. I call two letters of the alphabet for that one. And that's the truth. Here's the point. Here's the point. This is not about getting a little remedy. This is about being whole. This is about being complete. I am broken, clearly. (laughs) I have issues. Me, Matt. But Jesus has made me whole eternally for the kingdom. And Jesus is working in this sorry carcass. Woo! And and the first point of practical faith is realizing that. Okay, so everybody think about it. Is Jesus working in me right now? And if he isn't, you need to ask him to increase your faith. We talked about that last week. Maybe there's a forgiveness issue last week's message. But... If the path is clear and you're like, yeah, I can totally feel this. This is pretty neat. That's step number one to faith. You feel him working. The one. The one. Not the they. The they are gone. The they have what they came for. But the one is still at the feet of Jesus. Because he knew, oh my goodness, that Jesus was working. Not him. Here's the second. Oh, James 1 here's some scripture for all that my brethren count it all joy when ye fall into temptations knowing this that the trying of your faith your faith what you can't see works patience let patience have her perfect work that ye may be perfect and entire complete wanting nothing i love that text how many of that text speaks to you He's going to lead you into a place church where patience is going to have to work and it's going to have to move and you're going to have to be okay with it. And eventually you'll be complete. That's faith. Faith is pain, faith is problems, faith is what I'm going I'm going back to the gym tomorrow. I'm saying it publicly. For accountability, posting for accountability. Sorry, I caught myself with that one. But you know what? Results are going to follow, but guess what else is going to follow? Pain. Pain. I'm going to be crawling up in here next week. Brandon, we need a, a lav that I can hook to my shirt because my arms can't hold it up. going to be pain. But that pain's going to work to an end. Y'all think Christianity isn't pain. No, Christianity, the church, is like a gem spiritually. And we don't come in here and whine and cry about it. We come in here and let patience work. And we lift each other up in prayer and we say, this thing that is in your life, this thorn in your flesh, is working patience. Oh my goodness. The second thing that I see practically is God is praised and glorified out of that revelation. Out of that thought, he gets praise and glory. You see, when he gets praise and glory from the nine, he only gets praise and glory as long as their needs are being met. Mm. Romans seven eighteen says, For I know that in me, that in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good? I find not. The Apostle Paul the writer of 13 letters in the New Testament said, I can't do anything good. I mean, should we just pack it up and quit trying? If my man that wrote 13 books of the Bible says, in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. Oh, it's a really good thing that our salvation isn't predicated on our good works. But the problem is, is we have a lot of Christians that are saying, I'm a good person. There's good left in this world, and I'm gonna prove it. All right, nine lepers, you look good on the outside, but on the inside, you're full of dead men's bones because you're dead. That's what Romans says. In my flesh dwells Out of point number one, when we realize that God is doing an internal work, we praise and worship out of that. This is what happens. I'm giving you the practical application. When I'm up here singing and I get lost in it, and I frustrate the rest of the band because I skip lines and jump ahead and lose myself in it, I'm praising and worshiping going, oh my goodness, greater things. I'm seeing this from the victory. You are working in my life. I can't believe you chose this sorry carcass to come as a temple of your Holy Ghost, and I know it's because of your goodness, Jesus. I know that it's because of what you did on the cross, not out of what I'm doing. Praise and worship, number two. God is praised and glorified out of that revelation. You don't tell God how good he is because of you witnessing something you just did. I just fed a homeless man. God, you're so good. Take that pride to your fleshly bank, and it's going to cash death every time. I was a little deep, a little weighty, sorry. It's true. The only praise and worship that is good is when it comes out of what he's doing in your life, is when it comes out of faith. Last thing, the third thing that I see, God declares us whole and gives us perspective. Romans 5, one through five, therefore being justified by faith. Oh, declared righteous, declared holy, declared just by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand, wherein we stand, and rejoice in, here's the word, it it came full circle, what is it? Hope. Hope. I got joy in the hope of what he is doing. And rejoice in hope of the glory of God, and not only so, but we glory in I'm like, what? You see what I'm saying? Do you see it in the text? Am I making this stuff up? Man. Worketh patience, patience, experience, experience. Where, what, huh? Hope. And hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. You see, what you realized at salvation is the exact same thing that should be working in you for your sanctification. The very thing that you relied on when you accept, for those of you that are saved, and you have said, I am broken, I'm a sinner, I can't work my way to get to heaven, Jesus... Save me. Jesus, do your justification work on me. Justify me. Declare me righteous. If we're standing in the courtroom and the devil is accusing me of all those things I've done, I want you to put your righteousness on the stand and all of those things that you did for me. Let the righteous judge declare me according to your works, not mine. And that cross saves us every time. But for whatever reason, we bang our head going out the courtroom. And we think that it's up to us when we walk out. Now I've got salvation. Watch me work. <laughs> Ugh. No, the one fell at his feet. The one realized that an outward thing <laughs> was just getting started. That healing. That healing that he received on the outside, listen, listen, was just a taste of the healing that he would soon receive on the inside when he decided to turn around and walk away from the crowd. And from there, Jesus began to work in his heart, work in his life, and he said, your faith hath made thee whole. Faith practically applied is us accepting the Acceptance is the door to faith. Maybe some of you are struggling with this. Maybe because you haven't gotten healing. Well, in this dispensation of time, all the healings that have happened, here's what I find. I find the Lord works now from the inside out. That's what I find in this this dispensation. In this church age, I find that we have it a lot better than we think we do. And that if we'll just put our faith and trust in him for our day-to-day like we did for our salvation, he will receive praise. He will receive glory and honor because he's the one doing the work. Every head bowed, every eye closed. This morning, I just want to cut right to the chase.